Evil to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me, I have only a Gavin, oh, what's going on guys, welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode number 48. We got some effects, Blair, and I love this. is my go-to song. I'm going to show you all the path. If you want it bad, I'm going to show you every side. Yeah, how you can get it back. That's my jam when I'm rollerblading. Shout out to B-Sharp out there in Ottawa. I got the hat on. Hooked me up with some serious rollerblade wheels. They got my skate set up for my trek across Canada. Shout out to Marsblade. Of course, David Carlson, who made it all happen. And some exciting news. Got a big meeting with True Hockey coming uh, Friday morning. So I'm really looking forward to that. Working hopefully with True Hockey and uh, many other great people along the way. Thank you for joining me. If you're watching live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, 
If you're listening after on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those places, thank you so much. I appreciate the support. It's uh, it's going to be a really fun episode tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about a pretty incredible story that's you know grabbed my imagination from the second that I heard it, and I'm uh, pumped that we're bringing this guy on the show, and I'm even happier that I know how to say his last name properly now. So, uh, yeah, guys. It's uh, it's going to be a great episode, but as you guys know, I like to talk about a couple things before we get into the episode. And you guys know that you know beside me here and now above because we're running out of room, tragically, uh, that we are building a wall of all those that we have lost. Um, every episode is dedicated to one of those that we've lost in the hockey community to the hard hitting issues like suicide, overdose. And that's really what Puck Support is all about, is to bring change, to bring awareness, uh, to end the tragedies um, and lend support to the families. You know, this past, I'll just quickly share a story before I get into it. You know, this past Mother's Day, uh, the Miner family who recently lost their son, uh, Daniel, former Barry Colt, just a couple months ago to an overdose. You know, I've been able to connect with them and on Mother's Day, the entire family was wearing puck support gear with the in memory to Daniel Miner. And, you know, I was told that it brought just a, a little bit of effort, you know, through the hard time, though we can't bring him back. They felt like, you know, he was there with all of them. And so, you know, that's a huge part of what gets me out of bed every single morning is honoring those that we've lost, finding new ways to, to bring this to light so that we don't have to have these conversations anymore so that, you know, families don't have to go through these tragedies anymore. And, you know, just unfortunately, there's been so many. And another one was brought to my attention just today. I'm not going to touch on that until I talk to that family. But it's confirmed that another junior hockey player close to the area that I'm in right now, uh, same age as myself, lost his battle. And in the obituary, it says that he lost his battle to his inner demons. So it's one of two things. And these issues are real. And tonight we uh, we remember Terry Trafford, former OHL player at the Saginaw Spirit. I think a lot of people remember Terry Trafford's story. And I mean, he's behind me here. Here's a guy that was released from the OHL due to what I've been told a number of things, off-ice troubles, which I know I certainly had. And, you know, that could have happened to me on a number of occasions. And, he went missing for 14 days or I think it was nine days. Sorry, I, I'm jumping all over the place. But it was it was a long period of time that he went missing once he was released from the team. And, uh, you know, after that prolonged period, they found his body lifeless in his car in a Walmart parking lot. You know, his hockey career was pulled out from under him. Obviously, he had some things going on that were getting to him and, I mean, it's, it's one of the saddest stories. They're all sad. But to me, that one, you know, really hits home. Here's a junior hockey player that, you know, took his own life. And then not only that, wasn't found for, you know, over a week later. And, you know, I just want to send my condolences. It was back in 2014, but to the entire Trafford family, all those in Saginaw that were connected to Terry Trafford. Shout out to Sandra Murray who's very close to me here at Puck Support and Executive Director of Mental Health and Addiction. She was uh, part of the Saginaw Spirits crisis debrief team that, you know, handled that situation. So, you know, her and I have talked extensively about this incident and, 
you know, I'm going to continue to talk about Terry's story, Daniel's story, Matthew Lazinski's story, all of them. Um, while I'm rollerblading, guys, every single stride of the way will be for those that we've lost and for those who continue to struggle. So in our hearts forever, Terry Trafford, rest in paradise, buddy. You're up there with all of hockey's angels. And uh, yeah, just I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that we limit these tragedies. Quick sponsor and I'll be right back, guys. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, Regan Bartel, Jesse Paradise, everybody at Team Issued. Um, thank you for the support. I, before we get into the episode, I want to share something with you guys. That's right. 15 months clean. Um, never thought I would get here. And so if you're out there and you're struggling, don't give up on yourself. You can do it too. But I'll tell you what, it's not easy. It's not easy, not one bit. Before we get into the episode, I want to say that I was on Darren McCarty's uh, new podcast, The Grind Time Chronicles, okay? So episode one of the Darren McCarty Grind Time Chronicles, not sure when it's going to be released, but I'll tell you what, if you've heard me on a podcast before, you've never heard me like this. I'm very open and honest all the time, but DMAC pulled some of my dirt out yesterday, and I told a couple stories that I have not told publicly at all that I was saving for my book. Don't worry. I still have like 3000 more that I haven't told for my book, but I strongly suggest that you check that out. I'll be posting it and support DMAC on the hook on Woodward sports. I got my puck support warrior shirt on today. He's our chief puck support warrior and one of my idols growing up. That's why I wore 25 and he had me on episode one of the grind time Chronicles. So make sure you check that out Follow them everywhere on social media. You guys know how this goes. We'll see you in a couple of minutes here. You guys have heard me say this so many times, how grateful and how privileged I feel to sit in the position that I'm sitting. All the interviews that I've done, these podcasts from Hockey Hall of Famers, hockey icons, some of my idols, and many very, very important stories that I believe need to be told. Well, tonight, that's no different. I don't have a Hockey Hall of Famer on, nor a hockey icon, not even one of my idols. But this story you're about to hear tonight is one that continuously blows me away. The only word I can really think of is inspiring. Roughly two months ago, we started a prayer group that was open to everybody that followed Puck Support or followed me. Just a group to get together, share prayer, share how we're doing, just to check in with each other. And it's gone extremely well. I've developed so many new friendships just from that group alone. And one of those individuals is Matthew Meinzer. 
I hadn't met Matthew Meinzer before the first time he logged into a prayer group. It was an open link and he logged in. And it was that day that he shared the story with us of the incredible work that he's doing. What he's doing to grow the game of hockey is absolutely phenomenal. But he's not doing it here in Canada, not in the U.S., not even in Europe. Originally hailing from Buffalo, New York, Meinzer was raised on the game of hockey. After college, he moved to New York City, where he became a skills development coach and a power skating instructor. But shortly thereafter, he decided to take the show on the road. But he couldn't take a road where he was going. It would be a long journey by airplane, finally landing in Ecuador in South America. He brought his love for the game of hockey to Ecuador, and so he started to coach the game he loved way down south. After finding out that all the equipment, especially sticks, were being shipped from the USA at a massive cost, he decided to try to see if he could do something to reduce the cost and encourage more people down there to play the game that he loves so much. Well, he took his carpentry skills and he made one stick to see if it could be done. It took about three years and after he met his wife, he ended up moving to Ushuaia, Argentina, where he lives now. And the reason why he moved to Ushuaia is because it was the only place that had a full-size ice rink. After arriving there, he found a shop and he took his craft to the next level. Now he successfully runs and operates with his business partner, a hockey stick making company called Tip 09 Hockey. Tip 09 is the only hockey stick manufacturer in all of South America. Since arriving there, he doesn't just make sticks, he's obviously coaching and doing so much to grow the game in his new homeland of Argentina. I don't want to touch on too many of the details. I want to hear from the man himself. This is somebody that I consider a new friend that I will have for the rest of my life. Somebody that inspires me every single time whenever I get to talk to him. He's been a fan of the show. I've been waiting to bring him on. And now is the time. I'm so happy, privileged, and honored that we get to share the story of Matthew Meinzer and Ushuaia Argentina right here on Hockey to Hell and Back. So let's bring in the man that's doing, in my opinion, God's work all the way from Swaya, Argentina, my good friend, Matthew Meinzer, not Meinzer. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Yeah, man, the tragically hip, all right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you bet, man. That's uh, I was jamming out to them all day. So it's funny, you know, when we talked earlier and we mentioned the hip there. I mean, it, it's it's what I was listening to pretty much all day today. So I mean, it's pretty fitting, and it's uh, it was like refreshing to hear. You know, you're way down there, and and then you know, even realizing you're not even from Canada. I mean, you're from Buffalo. It's it's fairly close to Canada. So I mean, the hip is. is Probably you were closer to the hip growing up than I was in BC. So um, awesome. But man, thanks for being here. And thanks for being you, man. You're, uh, you're just an incredible guy. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of your show. Uh, as I'm watching the intro, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm watching another episode and um, I realize I'm on today. So <laughs> it was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. But everything that you do for the, for the future of hockey with mental health and everything, I, I truly appreciate it. And, uh, 
I really think you're doing uh, a great thing, uh, a really important thing for for the for hockey and for the future. And uh, I hope you all the success, man. I really do. And that's that's part of why uh, I'm such a huge fan of your show. And and I, you've had so many amazing guests on this show, and I am so privileged to be here today. And I, I really appreciate it, man. I really do. Yeah. Well, you know what, man. It's it's really my privilege. I think everybody watching, it's going to be their privilege. Uh, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, I think much like yourself from the conversations we've had, um, you know, just following, following my heart, right? Just doing something that is fulfilling um, and has a greater purpose um, other than just fulfilling, you know, my own self self needs or whatever. And so I want to get into that. But before we get into what you're doing down there, I, I really want to hear you know, about Matthew Meinzer growing up, um, playing hockey, and, you know, eventually, you know, how you even ended up in Ecuador before, you know, ending up where you are now. Well, yeah, like like you, uh, the hockey gods had a different place for me in hockey. Uh, it wasn't to play pro, but it was to do something else uh, more important. But, yeah, I, I grew up in the city of Tonawanda, a suburb of Buffalo, and uh, there are rinks, there are so many hockey rinks and, and outdoor rinks, ODRs and everything. My backyard was the lowest backyard and always flooded. So I had a, a nice size rink, natural, didn't have to do much but shovel it off. I was uh, basically raised there and around the block at Ives Pond where, uh, it, that's actually a long story, but uh in short, they used to freeze it over and they would cut the squares out for the refrigeration before they had refrigerators. <laughs> and when refrigerators were invented, they had this big hole in the ground. So they filled it up to, for people to skate on. <laughs> and uh, luckily, when by the time I was born, they had nets out and lights up. And we had two, two or three months of uh, free hockey. It was incredible out there. But yeah, yeah. I, I played hockey. Uh, all the way through until college. Uh, yeah, that's me and my cousin. Um, when I was, I think, 10 there and he was nine. That's uh, Pepsi Kids Hockey. Uh, that's we found scary. any route to play uh, free hockey that we could. <laughs> hey, well, and yeah, I mean, hockey, this is something we'll talk about too, uh, just the cost of hockey. But that stick there looks almost like one of your sticks now on the left. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? I, you know, I did kind of design the logo after that. Uh, took took that. I, those are that was actually my father's stick that uh, he had curved from righty to lefty over the stove <laughs> and cut off for me. You know, it's hockey is quite expensive sport. There, and there, there we are. Uh, this is where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> yeah, long well, journey from there to here. Well, no kidding. I we'll get to that. I just wanted to show the comparison in the sticks, but. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit before we get into it because I think it's going to play a huge part into the story too. Is the cost of hockey here, you know, for equipment um, and everything? Like, what was it like for your parents growing up? I mean, for reservation, you mentioned you know playing the Pepsi, the free hockey. Um, was it you know, and at that time, was it something that you really appreciated? And the reason why I ask is because you know I felt you know I think I was super entitled as a kid. You know I didn't really stop to realize the sacrifices my dad was making just so I could play hockey. Never mind you know go to the whatever else, the extras, the elite. Um, it it's it's just incredible, and it's you know hindsight is twenty twenty. But I'm just wondering if you had any of those same kind of experiences and what that was like for you growing up and um, 
and yeah, just how it factors into your life today. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's actually a huge reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Uh, but my father worked, uh, nights, seven at night till seven in the morning, uh, six days a week. Um, couldn't even go to my games, you know, at, and when I was a little older and, uh, yeah, there's me with the, the mm -hmm. Regals. That's a, that was uh, 10 years old there or not or 10 or 11. But, uh, yeah, my mother was, uh, the, ho the typical hockey mom, the taxi. Uh, and I, I didn't really appreciate how, how big that was that my father worked so hard to get me, you know, on the ice and my mother drove me there. Um, until much later, I was, a, I was kind of a naive kid, uh, in a way. Uh, I thought we all had the same amount of money. I thought that the, the other kids on my team and, and I was the same. I didn't know why I had, uh, cheaper skates or a different stick or, you know, and, uh, until a little bit later I started realizing that, but my father really, uh, he brought me up on hockey. He was a hockey player. My mother was a figure skater. My whole family is uh, on skates. There's actually enough players in my family to form a whole team, counting my cousins, my brothers, and everyone. We're a hockey family and a skating family, and that's that's for sure. Um, but I guess it's not not until I was a little bit older when other kids on my team were trying out for teams that, and I said, I can make that team. I want to try out for that team. And my father kind of steered me, oh, we can go here and play. We can go here and play. Yeah. And it wasn't so much later I realized it was probably because it was a cheaper alternative. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know if it was because of my skill level, but I, I assume because yeah, hockey is very expensive. And that's part of why I'm here doing this. Now, take hockey, the expensive sport up there, times three, because now you're buying the stick for the price. You're paying – exactly that in 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 flete which is um in mail and now you're in, and then you're paying again once it gets here everything here for hockey is three times what it costs you so if you can think of how expensive it is there and and we're making less money here <laughs> so yeah it's, it's, it's a it's a very expensive sport here and that's part of why this stick company is very important to me um we're giving an available uh affordable product to to young players getting started and, and even to some adults that uh that are that are starting starting out a little older so it's well it's incredible and i want to get to that i i before we get to that and that's my fault for leading you into that question but uh tell tell me about and yeah and feel free if to just speak the native language down there because i know you have some listeners um friends and and uh, players that you coach and stuff that'll be watching so by all means and if there's any pictures that you that i have that you've sent me that maybe you want me to throw up along the way try to i try to kind of have them in order but we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll we'll get through them all but um how did you end up in ecuador first i know um you know you're no longer there but how you know what was this decision to go to ecuador was it just a trip or how did you end up there well, um, in the summers, I, when I moved, I moved from uh, Buffalo to college and the college to, to uh, New York City. I actually moved there with my with my punk rock band. Okay. And uh, then we all started getting jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I also play music. Once I couldn't check anymore in hockey, I started playing drums. And the faster I could play, the more energy I could let out. So I played punk rock. It was fitting. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, moved to New York City. Um, I got a job in, in computer art and design, like my degree said. I wasn't really feeling it. And um, I went to visit home and I went to one of my brother's hockey games and I smelled the rink again and I, mm. I felt it again. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go back to New York and start coaching again. You know, uh, I need to get back in the rink. So on the bus, luckily, it was a bus with Wi-Fi, luckily. On the bus, I'm riding to the closest hockey rink to where I lived in New York City. And I said, I'll take a job mopping the floors, anything. Uh, I'm a skills development coach from Buffalo. And they, they said, hey, come right here. So with all my bags, <laughs> I went right to the rink. And uh, they they put me in some beginner programs. And they saw they saw that what I had to offer. And then I started coaching in New York City. And um, I have countless uh, – amazing students and, and parents that I still to this day talk to um, from New York and uh, I follow their developments and they're, they're doing incredible. They're, I, I just got a message today. One of the kids got picked up for triple a uh, P or triple a Bantam rockets. And every day is a new story and a, and a new kid going somewhere, somewhere great. And it's so amazing. But every summer in New York, I would take a trip to uh, Pollywog Holler. It's an eco resort in the middle of the woods where I where I would help uh, Bill Castle, my mentor for carpentry. Mm-hmm. I would help him build log cabins and furniture, and um, he had a rustic elegance to uh, to the things he did there. And one year he said, "Yeah, we're going on a trip again." He was a world traveler, so um, it wasn't a surprise, you know. He's like, "Yeah, we're going to Ecuador." Oh, great! Next year we're going to Ecuador. Okay, next year we're going to Ecuador again. We're like, all right, so what's up with Ecuador? You know, so I want to go with you. I want to see this. If it's so special, you know, I want to go with you. And he always picked April Fool's Day to come back to New York because he said you have to be a fool to want to leave Ecuador. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I have to go see this. So what do I do? I I call everyone in Ecuador. Hey, is there hockey in Ecuador? Because if I'm going, might as well see what's going on. And, uh, yeah, uh, actually, Damon Cole, he's the uh, at one point uh, president or whatnot of the Quito Cox, the, the, the gringo team filled with uh, Germans and Americans, Canadians, uh, Russians. He said, yeah, we actually play hockey here. There's a small rink in Quito, yeah, Ecuador. No, Come down and visit. And, uh, and when, once I got there, I immediately started uh, coaching with the youth hockey program there. Um, with uh, Black Dragons, which is an Ecuadorian team, uh, the ice hockey team. Uh, they've, there's so many different organizations there that I, that I worked with. Um, I still work with them. So, and that, that's a long, even a longer story. I still, to this day, do Zoom chats and everything, working dry land exercises and explaining things on my, on my, on my, my chalkboard, on different drills. I still do a lot of help in Ecuador as much as they want of me. And, uh, yeah, Ecuador has a special place in my heart. I still feel like I'm going to go back there. But while I was in Ecuador, there were stories of this Olympic-sized ice rink in Argentina at, at the end of the earth, the southernmost, southernmost city in the, in, the, in the entire world. And I saw a photo, and I said, I have to go see that. And lucky for me, I met a girl my beautiful wife now and she was from Argentina. So when, 
when I finally found out, you know, it was time for me to leave Ecuador, uh, we said, where are we going to go? And we said, well, let's go to Argentina. I was like, well, that's kind of where I want to go anyways. <laughs> so we made the trip to, uh, to Argentina and that, that's it. That's a whole world started from that. And so were you a little bit surprised when you got to Ecuador um, that there was hockey and you, you mentioned that there was a fair bit, but when you, when you got to, um, I don't want to butcher the name, Ushuaia. Did I say that right? Ushuaia? Yeah, Ushuaia. You, you don't, you don't say the H. <laughs> okay, Ushuaia, yeah. Um, you mentioned there's a rink there, but was there a lot of hockey there when you got there? And, and what was the organization like of the hockey and the skill level and everything like that? What was it like, the equipment, all of that? Um, and how many people in that area were playing organized hockey or at least wanted to? Right. Um, well, when I got there, um, I want to say 2017, I think it was. When I got there, uh, apparently it was on the part of the roller coaster that was kind of kind of low. Uh, because back in 1996, I found out later, back in 1996, uh, there was uh, a lot of a, a huge group of uh, Ecuadorian hockey players, mostly roller hockey, um, come – I think it was – I have it on paper here. Hold on. I write everything down now. Is it that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's back in the 90s. Yeah, that's – so that's um that's back when when there was a big, big uh, fuel for, for roller hockey down in Ecuador. Uh, at the same time, Ecuador had a, uh, a, a team that traveled first uh, 1996 to, to, to Italy and played in the World Championships – then 97 to uh, Austria and then 98 to Switzerland. Like they were traveling and the first ever Pan American games was in Ecuador in wow. 1997. So they had like, they had good players. They had a good rank. They had everything. And actually what they said was, um, I, I was told there's so much story. Like that's, that's part of the, the cool thing. When I mentioned I was going to be on your show, hundreds of photos and stories from all over South America, but, especially my friends in Ecuador. But they said in 1997, they had the Pan American Games and they put plexiglass on the boards and the, and the United States team came down and their first shot during practice, they put a puck through the plexiglass because they didn't make it thick enough. And uh, they said that was like the quality that they had at the time for, for down there. So, <laughs> but they learned from that and they ended up finishing rebuilding the rink, not until 2003, but yeah, they have a long history of hockey. Back in the seventies and eighties, uh, they they played roll hockey on the on the quads, you know, the quad skates, and that one's yeah. actually in Argentina. Uh, that one's actually in the fifties in Argentina. Yeah, that's in the in the fifties in Argentina um, after World War Two, and lots of people traveled. To, and there was a big booming economy there, but. Yeah, there's it's so much so history. Cool. It's just insane. Tell me, about, like, tell me about this picture here. Yep. All right. What? Well, yeah. That's actually um right when I left. That's a, th those are the boys right there. That that's what got me to where I am. Um, right when I left uh, Ecuador, we we traveled uh, through Peru and some in Chile, and then we went to Cordoba, uh, <laughs> like a northern uh, city in in Argentina. My girlfriend at the time uh, went yeah. to Brazil to go diving, and, and I decided I'm going to find my way to the end of the earth. I had no money. <laughs> I had no way to get there. 
I had I had uh, a box of tools, a, ba- a hockey bag, and a backpack of clothes. And I'm like, how am I going to get down to Ushuaia? And I got a phone call from the, from those guys right there in that in that photo. They said, hey, we're we're from Ushuaia. We're from the, the end of the earth. We're going to travel up, and we're going to go traveling around and go to all the tournaments, the roller hockey tournaments we can, and then come back down to Ushuaia. I was like, well, can I go with you the whole way? And they're like, yeah, sure, jump in the truck. Wow. And also, remember, I didn't have any money. So we traveled from roller hockey tournament to roller hockey tournament. That one was in uh, Serena, Chile. And uh, we just picked up players along the way, and we just played the tournament with whoever whoever could play. Um, And along the way as well, to make some money, I did a hockey clinic in each place. We took that money, put it in the gas tank. To get our to get ourselves down to Ushuaia, yeah, that wow. that team right there, uh, that's the reason why where I am where I am. Um, that's uh, Diego, uh, Rama, Punky from the from the end of the earth. Then uh, the, with the bald head there, that's uh, that's Tuti. He plays for the national national roller hockey team for Argentina. Then we got some guys from Chile. Uh, we got Magic, the goalie, the goalie in the red jersey. Actually, that's a crazy story as well. Um, all that equipment he's wearing uh, was one of the best players and uh, goalies in, in Argentina got in a car accident and died. And wow. um, that's his best friend who never played goalie before and took all his equipment and, uh, and started playing the game. And that was his first ever tournament. And wow. uh, he didn't know what he was doing. We were teaching him during the tournament. It was really uh, – and, wow. and to this day, he still uh, – he has his a logo for him. Uh, his his flyers on every rink uh, all across South America, and now Magic. His name we call him Magic, or Magico yeah. actually. But uh, he's actually he's learned the game now. He did it for his friend. He learned the game. He's he's playing incredible uh, for for starting at such an older like an older age. He's playing very good uh, hockey. Uh, I'm really proud wow. of him too. But yeah, those guys got me to the end of the earth. <laughs> What a story, man. Wow. That's, uh, that's crazy. And so you get there and by this time you had, it kind of, I kind of made it sound like it took you. I realized after the fact, it sounded like it took you three years to make a stick in the intro, but that's not what I meant. You made one stick while you were in Ecuador and then you go to Uswaya and, uh, you realize that there's, there's a need here, um, for, you know, for for all equipment, really, but let's, you know, sticks really the main thing, you know, like if you have a stick, you can play, you don't even need skates or rollerblades. You got a stick. You can, you can start, you know, messing around. That's probably the most important piece of equipment, you know, outside of ice hockey is maybe skates, but just a, the game of hockey. And so tell us a little bit about what that process was like uh, once you're there and, and how that came about, what wood you're using, the trial and errors, tell us all about the, the, the whole process of how these sticks came about because it just blows my mind. Yeah, it's um, I made the first one in Ecuador. Uh, I was actually building furniture for a restaurant. It was like a little side job. That's that's my first stick. I was I was in a basement. I had some scrap wood and I said, I wonder if I can uh, stick this and this together and, uh, and make a stick. And it's I made the most crude hockey stick. <laughs> In the world, my friend uh, David actually still has that stick in Ecuador. Wow, he has it up on his wall. We no call it way. El Mazo, which means the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, then 
I actually tried it a few times. I, I made another stick when I was in Cordoba. I showed it to some people. I made another stick here, there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, cool. But, but you're dreaming, you know. Like, you're not going to make hockey sticks. You know, you're dreaming. And when I got to Ushuaia, I went to every carpinteria uh, workshop. And I said, hey, uh, I'm from the United States. I need a job. I'm going to start coaching hockey. It doesn't pay the bills, you know. It's like 200 pesos, which is like $2 an hour. <laughs> so I need a real job. And I am a carpenter. They said, no, 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 no. And I kept coming back to this one because I felt something here. So I came back and I said, hey, that's uh, Alejandro, my, my partner. He actually offered to find me another job somewhere else, even drove me around looking for work. And uh, I still came back and said, no, I want to work with you. I want to work here. Said, all right. His father actually said, uh, if you make me a workbench, you can make yourself a workbench. I made a workbench and I said, oh, good work. All right. So we're, we're going to start. So I made a hockey stick. And I said, what is this? I said, oh, it's a hockey stick. There, there's no fabric, you know, of hockey sticks in, in all of South America. And I broke mine. I need a new stick. He said, this is a cool idea. Let's try it. I happened to walk in at the right time. Uh, Alejandro was in a, a transition in the, in the workshop. Uh, it's a workshop that's been working here for 40 years uh, or maybe more. They started making boats and furniture. Then they started making a, a lot of chairs and it, it kept evolving. And, and now they need a new idea. They start making mate cups, which is actually this. It's a, oh, a cool. cup for mate. It's uh, loose, loose herbs, and the filters on the straw. Nice. And uh, this is how we drink tea. But all of Argentina, we all drink tea out of a mate cup. Well, I need so, a mate cup. Yeah, man. So we, they make mates. They make uh, smaller things and different things now. Uh, cutting boards for kitchens. And so when I brought the idea of the hockey stick, I said, all right, you know, that's another new idea. Let's see where it goes. And uh, two years later now, now it's been two years we've been building the sticks, and this is where we are. Uh, it's evolved, and my partner didn't know much about hockey. Now he knows a lot about hockey. Uh, <laughs> he's getting all the phone calls. He does the office work. I build the sticks. So he's learning – who runs what club? He's learning the skill levels. He's learning the curves, the lie, the flex. He's learning all this stuff. And now he's passionate about the game and, and we're going to keep going. So let me ask you what it's done for the culture down there, because, you know, is this sparked a whole new generation of, you know, players in that area that maybe would have never been able to have a stick. Um, and now all of a sudden these sticks are there um, at a reduced cost and, <laughs> And, and they're there. They don't have to get shipped in. They don't have to. So I can only imagine what that does for the culture, especially surrounding hockey. But I think about these, not just kids, but, you know, men and women that maybe want to start later in life uh, that would have never had the opportunity to have a stick in their hand. And look what you've done down there and what it's done maybe for their mental health um, or for, you know, getting them through some hard times. Because if it wasn't for having a stick in my hand in my childhood, man, I would be dead right now. There's no doubt about it. So um, tell us a little bit about what you've seen since this whole thing has started, Matt. Well, yeah, the idea is to supply an affordable local made product. Uh, think of 
for example, when I order, you can order from Hockey Monkey here, but if it's a screw, a, a one wheel, or a stick, it's seventy-five dollars just in in mail. So it's it's really unaffordable. So what what we've done is we created an affordable product. A lot of the players who wanted to try hockey, and that's a big thing. People see us playing and the kids watch us play because we actually do practice on half the ice when they have public skate on the other when we have practice for the small kids. So the kids see it and they go, oh, I want to play this. And the parents say, well, where do you get the equipment? You know, in the United States. They go, no, no, we're going to go play soccer. It's much easier to just play soccer. I can go to the store and buy a ball. Yeah. So now it's, well, we do have a stick here. And it is like, you know, I think we're, uh, so we're at, the cheapest stick is like 2,000 pesos, which is like $18 or something like that. Wow. And it's locally made. It's it's here, and and it's something that you can bring home. So now not only are new players playing, but the players who played with the club sticks, which are normally an adult who broke a stick, now they have their own stick. Instead of using a broken stick that's too long for them or, or just one of the club sticks that, that just isn't the right curve, isn't the right length, they can come and buy a stick a cheap for an affordable price and they can have their own stick. And after practice, they can go home and use it and they can practice at home. And that's what's changing. It's actually also changing the skill level. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these kids now they have, they're not just playing one hour a week. They're playing one hour a week and then going home and playing with their friends. And, and this is just the beginning. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing it. At first, I was we were selling like two sticks a week, and it's just growing and growing. Um, and now we have the ability. Now we live in an island at the end of the earth, hmm. and now we're getting the ability to mail the sticks up north. Uh, like schools, like uh, publicly funded schools, are saying, "Hey, we want to buy a bunch of sticks for the kids here," and and that's really what's uh, it's, it's going to change a lot. It's going to be a, a we're just we're just hitting that 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 threshold now. That's actually why I'm still at the workshop. Uh, we're working we're working as long as we can, doing what we can to get this done to make sure that we can get these sticks to as many people as possible. That's incredible, Matt. Like honestly, it, it's it's amazing because I I just think of. Uh, before I want to do, I want to hear about, a little bit about the process and the wood, and and how you came to the one type of tree um, that you used for the wood, and and how many different types that you had to try before you got it right. Um, but man, let's reflect for a second on on what you just said there. You know, just you know, because it's something that you know I hadn't thought about directly is the fact that yeah, like now they're these kids are and and adults are able to go home and play. Like even growing up, like I had compared to the kids now i was not on the ice anywhere near what these kids are on the ice now i didn't grow up with outdoor rinks nothing so i was on rollerblades all the time or in my driveway with a stick and without that there's no way i ever get to the skill level that i got to there's just no way there's just no how would you right like if you don't have a stick and you can't play there's no really like one hour a week you might get better over time but it's repeat 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 so yeah I cannot like, man, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. So I just wanted to take a step back and really reflect on the opportunities that you're bringing for, for the, for the locals down there. And even, you know, up North, how cool is that, man? Like, uh, you know, this is a story that I, I really want, you know, the hockey community to really get behind because, 
you know, there's there's other areas that I foresee, you know, hopefully down the road that I can help and people I know that can help just, you know, whether it be with, you know, they need rollerblades or wheels or, or whatever it is just to help even more bring the cause down. If we can do donations of some sort down the road, this is all some stuff that I've thought about a lot. And you, I think you know that. But tell us a little yeah. bit about the process of selecting the wood and how many times, how many different trees did you go through? Or was it just one and you knew this and, and tell the people what's special about the wood that you're using too, because I think it's so cool. Absolutely. Well, yeah, just a really quick to reflect on what you just said. Um, yeah. If, if, like I was saying before in the nineties, Ecuador was playing lots of hockey and then it went back down and back up. Part of what I think happened there was the av availability and, and lack of equipment, you know, at one point someone was bringing stuff in from somewhere, then they stopped and that's what happened to the game. So what I want to build is something that's sustainable and always here while donations and stuff like that are always accepted in all the different clubs. Um, yeah. I want to build something that is sustainable, something that can always be here. It's not just, yeah. Oh, I donated some equipment and then we're back down again. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the idea when I, when I tested the wood here, what it is is think of like um, like an ash tree, you know, like yep. ash is what was used for like sheer wood, uh, sticks and stuff like that. The, the name for the wood I use here is ca actually called false ash or falsa asha. Um, and I, I, it's part of the weird connection that I have with this place. Luckily enough, when I got here, there's one tree that grows down here and only grows down here. And it's called Lenga. Well, actually there's, there's another tree, but the, it's, it's the most used. There's, there's Lenga and Nieres. Uh, Nieres kind of grows crazy and Lenga grows straight. Uh, I use Lenga uh, for all the, all the sticks here. They call it false ash. So it has the strength, but it has something different because of the windy area here. And I'm not sure what else it has an incredible flexibility. So, we're actually making sticks, wooden sticks that have 75, 85, 90 flex, like a, a wooden stick with like a new school feel to it. Yeah. And that's really something that's awesome. Like I'm really, uh, I never played with flex, you know, I played with like 110 no flex <laughs> yeah. stick. And now I, I start making these sticks and I'm learning how to play a more one-timer game, a faster yeah. game. Because of the sticks I'm making, it's kind of amazing that uh, yeah, that it's changing my game as well, and uh, and I'm growing with the sport. But uh, yeah, it's we tested once we got here. We tested for two years. First, it was a solid shaft that wasn't working. I kept breaking them. So then we started doing laminates, and uh, now we do nine laminates per per stick. Uh, it's actually I have one here. I don't know if you can see it or not, but. I don't know if you can see that, but it's made up of laminates. I take a I take a trunk and I and I cut it up and I make laminates out of it, and then that's how we make the uh, the sticks. Very very. So then we, we cut each. I, we, everything's done by hand. We cut each laminate by hand and push it through the saw. Push it through the saw. Then we glue them all together. Uh, cut those up. We attach the supports. Attach the blades. The process takes about two weeks uh, in total. And um, yeah, and there's that's when we start painting them. We paint them uh, water, waterproof before they go to another shop to get the, the print on them. It's actually another thing we do is uh, the print on them, the, the name is printed. 
and that's at another shop. Uh, so it's also supporting another local business. The idea is, you know, to, to, to help help the whole community, not just uh, not just us, but so we send the ship, we, we send the sticks off to a local business. They they print the name on it, and it's 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 helping not only hockey but another business uh, with with some work as well. It's amazing. But it's um, yeah, it really is fun, and it's really uh, it's really like the one thing I've I've found out. They say uh, do what you love, and you never work a day in your life. That is true, but they forgot to tell you, do what you love and never work a day in your life. You'll work all of them <laughs> every day, all the hours, all days. They forgot to tell me that part. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? That's how I feel too with the stuff that I'm doing. And that was kind of, that's literally my, I, you know, I don't have, people may not know this, but you know, when I do these podcasts, when I first started, I used to have all these questions and all this information written down. And then by the end of the podcast, I would be like looking at it after it's over and be like, yeah, this was a waste of four hours of my life because I barely even touched on any of it. So I don't, I write down questions as I go. I don't have any really preempted questions written down, but that was my next question was, you know, how much of an impact has this made on your life? You know, reflecting back to where you were, you know, you talked about that job you had in New York and, it, you know, you weren't feeling it. You went back home and you got that smell of the rink and it inspired you to get back into coaching. And that was, a, you know, obviously a, an instant spark to, to your your happiness and your fulfillment. But even taking it a step further, like every time I talk to you and you tell you talk about what you're doing, you're smiling. You seem I'm sure you still have, you know, some hard times or tough times or minutes or whatever but it seems like this is genuinely something that you've been called to do and you love it so just tell me a little bit about what it's done for you personally on maybe your mental health side or or the way that it really just gives you purpose because it's this is astounding work man it's 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 mind-blowing to me well it's kind of i can how about this like i'm working i'm working i'm working and then I get called into the office because there's a little girl and her mother there to buy a hockey stick. And they're like, well, what's, what side do you use? And I, and I'll put some tape on it for you. And I show them how to replace the tape so that the stick lasts a little longer. And then you hand the stick to this little girl and the, the, you know, eyes light up and, and that's really the whole, the whole thing. It, the, they get so excited. They own their own stick now, you know, and, and, that that does yeah a world a world of help for for my mental health for sure. Um, every once in a while, yeah, you get lost in in well, what am I doing at the end of the earth? <laughs> you know, and uh, but but then yeah, but then something like that happens, or you know, after here I go yeah, that's right outside my door. That's the glacier uh, up the up the mountain from my house. Uh, I can walk there. Um, and that's in the summertime, so that's that's you can tell what the temperature is here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just um, Ushuaia in general is just a beautiful place. Uh, that's the lake right up right right near that glacier. Um, yeah, it's just every day when I look outside of my of my of my front door, I'm reminded of why I'm here. It's just incredibly beautiful. It's calm. It's a, it's a city of, I think, 80,000 people. 
at the end of the end of the earth, as close as you can get to Antarctica. And really, what is there to worry about? You know, like, what is there to worry about? You know, when you're, when you're so, so detached from, from, from the rest of the world, even when you're in the rest of the world, it made me realize, like, I worried too much. That's uh, the Laguna de Diablo. Laguna del, del Diablo. That's where all the first tournaments were. And that's the right. ski hill there. You can see the the white strip there. That's the ski hill, uh, okay. the original ski hill for the club that I that I coach for. Wow. But I mean, what what is there to worry about? You know, like, and that that's actually back in the day. That lake no longer freezes like that. Um, really? We all wish it did. Yeah, that that one doesn't freeze the same way anymore. But there's other ones. <laughs> well. Yeah. Let me ask you quickly about the temperature. Like you, you mentioned you're close to Antarctica. So in the summertime, uh, what, give me your, your, you know, your typical cold winter day um, temperature and what would be the warmest um, in, in summertime that it gets down there? The southern hemisphere is warmer than the northern hemisphere. Um, so it's much colder in the winter where it is where, where you are. Okay. Um, so we go by Celsius, right? You guys go by Celsius in Canada? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the coldest it gets here is, um, I'd say, like, negative three to, you oh. know, like, negative nine would be freezing. It would be really cold. That's as cold as it really gets here. But it's sustainable for the whole winter. Okay. And, and the warmest, I think, is, like, somewhere in the 20s or, you know, it's not – think of, think of, like, um, skipping summer. You go from fall to winter to spring to fall to winter to spring, you know, yeah. and we're opposite than you guys. So right now we're going into winter while you guys are going into summer, Okay, uh, yeah. which is cool. The The playoffs are starting for the NHL and our our ice hockey season is starting right now. So it's, it's actually yeah. kind of interesting. Instead of watching the playoffs at the end of my hockey season, I'm watching it at the beginning. It's very, very cool. Yeah, that yeah. is. That's that's so cool. Um, how easy? Uh, what's the access like to watching NHL games down there? Like, do you guys get a lot of hockey on TV? Is it expensive to get the channels for TV? Like, what's the what's the scoop on that? Well, uh, I don't want to I don't want to leak the the, yeah. the link we got just in case, you know. But yeah, we yes. have a link. Uh, it actually has um all the leagues all over the world: KHL, NHL, EHL. OHL, it has everything, uh, all the world tournaments all over the world. So you wake up at seven in the morning, you can watch hockey in Russia and you can watch hockey all the way until you go to bed. Imagine yeah, um, it's, oh, it's great. Like, uh, I'm actually really blessed to have that. We, I couldn't find that when I was living in Ecuador and, uh, now, now we have access to a lot more hockey and I have friends over to watch games and, uh, it's, it's starting to change. That's also starting to change the culture, the, the availability of watching the games. Uh, this is actually a joke that we, we just went over again yesterday in practice. I do a drill called the Gretzky where it's three on three, but one of the players is behind the net, you know, in, in Gretzky's office. Yeah. So you have to pass behind the net and then you have to pass it back out in front. And I call it the Gretzky. They don't know who Gretzky is. There's like three students who know who Gretzky is. So I'm like, all right, the, the Crosby or the McDavid. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, because now they watch hockey. So like, And so now they know the new guys. But, yeah, they didn't know who Gretzky was. And that was it's like, come on, guys. It was me and the other coach, actually. Um, 
Pedro, Pedro Baez. He's um he plays for the national selection team. He's the director of my club and uh, one of the best players in uh, South America. Um, the most profound player for sure. And uh, me and him were like, come on, you guys, you don't know who Gretzky is, you know, but, but yeah, being able to watch the games now is definitely uh, influencing their play. That was actually um, 2019 in this photo, uh, cow versus cow uh, during the tournament. Um, I'm in on the yellow team and the, the blue team was the, uh, the A team. They actually won the tournament that, that, uh, that year. It was really amazing. Copa de fin de mundo, they call that uh, the end of the world cup. Very that's cool. um, yeah that that tournament. Uh, actually, you want you want to talk about that tournament because that is a huge story. Yeah, by all Copa means. Copa de fin de mundo. So the end of the world cup. It it started well. So it started uh, in 2005 on the Laguna del Diablo, and they played on the lake three on three with four by fours as boards all the way around. Uh, they played from 2005 to 2009 on the lake. There was a rink built in, in 1979, but they didn't put refrigeration in. They just sprayed water on it, and it didn't really work. So not until 2010, so 1979 and 2010, they never used this Olympic-sized rink. 2010, they put in the, the refrigeration. They started the tournament. In that photo, uh, in 2010, they played on the, on the Olympic size rink, and they started inviting teams from all over. Uh, I think it was 2012 when they started opening the tournament to more teams. Brazil went, and other countries started started to come. And yeah, that tournament is the only tournament in South America that's on a full sheet of ice, and it happens every year, minus last year because of the pandemic. And I can't wait. I can't wait to play again this year. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna really show uh, the rest of the teams how hard we've been practicing. Copa Finimundo is huge, though. What are the stipulations about having imports for the tournament? Because this could be on my bucket list. Uh, well, I already asked my cousin to come play. So I mean, hey, I mean, I don't and see why I don't see there there being a problem with it. I don't know if we can fill a whole team full of. Uh, extranjeros but you can we can invite a few yeah well i mean it'd be cool just to even come watch and just skate with you know skate down there and get to know some of some of the the hockey players down there and the locals i mean honest to god i don't just say that lightly like i told susan um even before we agreed to do this show, i mean i always knew you were going to come on the show but even before we had the dates lined up and everything for you to come on um and i told her i was like like I'm, I want to go down there. Like I really do. The the very, I think it was the first day actually that I saw pictures of where you were and you told me what you were doing. I believe that's when I told her that. So I think it would, you know, this is definitely on my bucket list to go there. And I know it's a huge journey. Um, there's some questions coming in. Um, we got, you got some time to kill here still. You got, you got some, you, you yeah, got, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. We got, I I'll start at, you got tons of comments at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm Bob, sure. <laughs> Bob Babcock says, Brady, it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you, Bob. Tammy Schultz says, good evening, everyone. Good evening, Tammy. Uh, everybody's saying hello to each other on there, which is always great. Um, 
Yes, uh, back to Terry Trafford and that, Tammy Schultz. Yes, these stories are heartbreaking, guys. Yes, they are, and that's why we continue to talk about them and, and finding solutions. Um, it's it's a tough go out there. Bob Babcock, very. this is why we have to be there for each other. You never know what someone is going through, and it's very true. Um, to the 15 months clean, fantastic. Hello, David Carlson. Tammy, congratulations, Brady. I'm proud of you. Thank you, Tammy. Bob Babcock back. Thank you again. Um we have Martin Beza says, let's go, Matt. You know, Martin? Teen show. Yeah, it's teen show. That's, uh, he's, he's by far my favorite student and um, one of the best players. He actually has potential to play, to play up in juniors in, uh, in, in Canada. He really does. Really? So that, that's a question that I was going to get to after, but yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get, we'll get back to that. Cause I had um, upstairs, I have a, um, He's a general manager for a junior A team here, and he's like, ask him if he's got any, you know, uh, players that would, you know, consider coming up here to play. So it's, uh, you know, I mean, it'd be a, a long journey and and whatever, but who knows? It'd be so cool to be. Wouldn't it be so cool to give one of these kids an opportunity to play uh, in Canada and and, and somehow spawn, you know, because I, I know that cost would be huge for them. And just, oh, man, this is another dream of mine now. Um, we have uh, Mateo Lopez Silva. Vamos, Vamos. man. Vamos. <laughs> we got. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of one. Marion, how do you how do you pronounce her name? I don't want to butcher it. Mary. Uh, Marianella. It's pretty small for me. Marianella Sotelo. Yeah. Can't read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll get back to that one. Um, but thank you for joining the show, Marianella. I believe that's how you say it in English. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, but thank you for watching. Be sharp in Ottawa, only in hockey, talking about you doing your work down there. I got the B Sharp hat on. Hello to everybody at B Sharp. Joe and Colin, thank you guys for all that you've done. Uh, Mike Jowsey, Matthew Meinzer. Do you know him? Is that a buddy of yours? Yeah, my lead singer for my first ever band. Okay, <laughs> circling back to the punk rock days. I love it. Um, Jim Phillips says, great job, Matt. I will Down in Ecuador. Yeah, okay. Awesome, awesome. Um, we're getting jumped. Oh, I got jumped ahead there. We got Easton Onyx with a heart. Uh, about, you can barely see it, but it's a heart. Stuart Smith from Abbotsford, British Columbia. My friend was talking to him before the show. Coach Matt, Wow. You're an amazing person to identify a need and then commit to the meeting. Need, meeting that need is so awesome. I can't wait for the first Argentinian-born player to be drafted by the NHL. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something, Matt? There's a that'd be a, that'd be amazing, right? Dean Smeal, wow, absolutely amazing story. Proud of what you're doing, Matt. 75, 85 flex. That is crazy. How do we get a couple shipped out? We'll have to talk about that. I know it's expensive, but listen, we I don't care. We're going to make it happen, and we'll pay the shipping. It's got to happen. I need to have one of these behind me in the set for the for the podcast and part of Puck Support as well because I think it's so cool, and I want to send you some stuff to um, get it down. We have to arrange it, um, and we'll, we'll figure it out, man. But, yes, Dean, that was a question that I had too. So, Dean, thanks for watching. Thanks for the support. Um, Susan Cook, all the way from upstairs – 
hockey all day, I would be in my glory. She's talking about you being able to watch the, the hockey there. Uh, she also says, you and what you're doing is amazing. Your compassion for the game and people is incredible. XO, just amazing. Um, Stuart Smith. Thank Ken you, Susan. Coach Matt, how many registered hockey players would you say there are in your area and or Argentina, and is that number growing? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think there would be about – well, okay, so Tierra, Tierra de Fuego, or the land of fire, is the island I live on. Yep. There's Rio Grande, Torwin, and Ushuaia. There's three small cities. Rio Grande has uh, two hockey clubs. One is ice hockey and uh, one is roller and ice. Here there's uh, two hockey clubs, uh, Cow and Nieres. And I would say on this island, I would say there's a little under 300 players. Wow. For the 100 and 150,000 people, there's about 300 players so far. But, yes, it's absolutely growing. Uh, I just did a class yesterday. My class of eight-year-olds used to be about nine kids, and now it's about 19. Yeah, so it's definitely without a doubt growing. So that's the, the sad part is, though, I do lose some of my really good players. They all go up north to play roller hockey uh, because, yes, up north, there is actually a lot more hockey. We all play roller because it's easier to go to tournaments for roller uh, in South America. As the only ice hockey rink is here and there's a small one in Ecuador, everything else is roller hockey. Yeah. So to, to play against some good competition – you go up up north, you go to Buenos Aires, you go to Córdoba, Mendoza, you go to Serena, Chile, and you go up there and you play roller hockey. Uh, Serena, Chile, and actually all of Chile right now is uh, doing a lot of stuff. The the FANHL, the FNHL, uh, which is doing amazing things up in Chile right now, and they're actually looking for donations as well. So, I mean, okay. that's another thing. South America is huge. But think of it this way. All the hockey players pretty much know each other of all South America. Um, if you've been playing hockey for more than five years, you're friends with everyone else who's been playing hockey. And so that's that's like saying, like, you know, everyone in your town that plays hockey, it's all of South America. So I, I am like Matt, the gringo hockey stick guy. Like, and that's how I'm known, you know, like. And that's that's all over. That's Brazil. That's that's uh, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, uh, uh, and and Argentina as well, and, and Venezuela. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a small world, and that's the thing. No one's ever committed to something like this because there's not enough to sell to actually make a profit. So that's why we also make other things at the workshop. Like I take half a day sometimes to make cutting boards or to make something else for the for the workshop, a table or a chair or something. I like this. And stick that's what's helping ball. us keep this afloat, you know? Yeah, and those are our, our, our stick handling balls, those Swedish stick handling balls. Unreal. Uh, I saw that. All those kids got them now. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, they're, and, and they're check cool. it out, dude. Wooden hockey pucks. Come on. Not even joking. Not even joking. Because wow. we can't get these down here. We can't get these. So I made some wooden ones for the kids to go play on the ponds. Wow. That's that's incredible, man. Um, it's the little things, you know, like we take so – I take so – at least I do. I take for granted being here, having that – the luxury to just, you know – 
oh, I shoot a puck in the snowbank at the ODR. Well, I'm not even going to go through the snow to get it. Maybe I'll find it in the spring when the snow melts type deal. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's pretty uh, – it's incredible, though. You know, you, you see that and look, and it's not going to stop the kids from playing because they got Coach Matt to fill that void with wooden pucks. And that's, in, that's amazing, man. That's uh, – in. Stuart Smith says, road trip. Once again, I'm in. I'm in. Dean Smeal says, let's go. Um, we have Alejandro Madrill. Um, yeah. Haciendo Historia and El Fin del Mundo. I know you can't yeah, read. That, that's, that's my partner. He's, he, he says, okay. tell, tell, the, tell the history. Tell the history of the end of the earth. That's awesome. I... Uh, let me get his picture up. That's him there? Yes, that's him. All right. If it wasn't for him, none of this would be happening. What an incredible man. And you know what? Even aside from that, I heard you mention earlier, you know, how he was driving you around looking for uh, taking you to find other jobs, just trying to help you. And that, to me, um, says it all right there, you know? Um, he could have just said, get the hell out of here, kid. Uh, beat it. I got nothing for you. Good luck. Um, instead, he actually went out of his way to, you know, try to help you, and um, ended up being partners. Um, he says, "Proud." Yeah, it's, of it's part. It's it's part cultural down here as well. Um, part of why I love. What, part of why I stayed. You know, I went. I moved to South America, and I felt something bigger here because because of that kind of attitude, that kind of mentality, and that kind of uh, giving and friendship that people have. Like, they're not. The, you're going to find jerks everywhere right but in general people are, are more willing especially in argentina uh, and i found it a little bit in ecuador as well people are willing to take you in people are willing to help you find what you need when someone calls here and say hey do you sell wood he doesn't say no we 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 buy wood and we make furniture and we make hockey sticks no he says no we don't sell wood but if you call this person and this person and this person you can find it like that's part of cultural uh, and part of why I love South America so much. It's, it's, it's a very friendly, uh, especially Ushuaia here. It's very friendly. It's very, it's very community based. And that's really what I love about it here. It's just amazing. It's, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother planet for sure. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds, it sounds amazing. And uh, Francois Girard says, I hope to be back soon. Um, yeah. He's from Canada. He okay. came to visit. He brought me hockey tape. He brought me a green biscuit. He's a great, a great guy. He was just coming down to visit. He was going on a trip with his wife and uh, said, do you need anything? It's like, actually, yeah, I could tape some kids' sticks up if you brought some tape. We don't have any tape. So he did. He brought me two, two rolls or two packages of tape, and I've been taping kids' sticks ever since. I don't want to make really awesome. I don't want to make guy. I don't want to make any promises, but I got some connections at Howie's, and I'm going to call them and see what they say. But I can guarantee you that when I come, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, I'm coming there. I don't know when, but I will come there, and I will leave. I will leave there with the shirt I have on and my pants, and I will leave everything there, all my gear, uh, ex extra tape, sticks, all that stuff. I can't wait to to be able to do that, man, and. Uh, yeah, that's it's the little things like that, you know, tape, a green biscuit. And, you know, I 
chipped my green biscuit today. And um, I actually talked to the owner of green biscuit yesterday, Tom Peterson, former NHLer. And I told him I was going to skate Canada with a green biscuit in my pocket. So he, you know, he wants to kind of partner up with that. And, and he laughed. He said, well, well, uh, you're going to forest gump it with a green biscuit in your pocket and we'll document your journey the whole way on the green biscuit page. So it was kind of funny. Um, we have uh, Gaspar uh, Lopez Silva. Bill, Matt. Yeah, Dale, Matt. He said, he, bueno. said, uh, said, he said, go for it and it's good to hear from you. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Thanks for I, I, I'm that's, gonna have to um, that's actually right there. That's Gasper, or we call him Gaspy. He's my my favorite goalie. goalie. I'm sorry to all my other goalies. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he he uh, he he played goal for for me in the Copa de Fin de Mundo in 2019. Uh, right now he's in Mendoza training. Um, he is my he's the hardest working goalie I, I've ever met. Um, he has a passion for the game. He. He uses rented equipment from from our club. Uh, it's yeah. He, he's he's. Uh, I miss him a lot. Actually, I can't wait for the ice to form so he gets back down here. That's uh, that's cool, man. So these friendships and the bonds that you've made are are just incredible. You know, like it's it's amazing. Jim Phillips says, Matt, when you lived in Ecuador, you were a lost boy. Since Gabby and you moved to Argentina, we can see that you found your true calling. Love you, man. Yeah, when I, that's in uh, Puerto Lopez, uh, Ecuador, a small town on the on the beach. Um, I would travel to Quito and do hockey clinics, and I'd go back to the beach. I did. I, when I left the United States, I, I did kind of need to get away from everything, and I, I found Puerto Lopez, and uh, it's an amazing place. Um, we actually opened a restaurant there. Uh, I sold Buffalo chicken wings and, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling the, the restaurant though. So I started again, I started coaching again. I went for a skate. Some girls saw me skating. It's like, can you help us learn? And all of a sudden I had 10, 15, 20, and I had all these little kids on the beach, uh, and this little, this little tiny square that they play football on of cement. And I started the Club de Patinaje Puerto Lopez or the skating club of Puerto Lopez. And uh, yeah, that I did that twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And that really brought me back to it. Before I left, I made them all hockey sticks and uh, we played a game. That was before I was making sticks. I was just another test. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, that, I, some of the girls still send me photos of them with their sticks. So yeah, I, I Puerto Lopez. I was a lost. I was lost there for a little while. I didn't know. I didn't know where I was going next and, until I met Gabby and we we came to the end of the earth. Wow, it, uh, it's it's so inspiring, man. Uh, I just muted your mic for a sec because it, it's. I got a little bit of pickup, but I'll unmute it here in a second. Um, Matt, honestly, man, uh, you know I didn't know you back then, um, but. You know, I just like I told you earlier, I can see that you're full of life and this passion. And I, you know, I just encourage you to keep doing it and, and the doors that are going to continue to open and the opportunities that will come. Um, maybe, you know, you'll never be a millionaire, but you'll be a millionaire in your heart because that's how what I've found now that I'm doing what I you know love with this purpose. It's like I may not have, you know, all the financial financial capabilities that I wish I would have had when I was a kid at these dreams of being rich and all this stuff. But I am rich in other ways, and I think you you feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
that's really the the most important part for me. And and part of when when some of my friends ask me like, what are you? Why are you working for a hundred bucks a week? You know, come come back. You know, we can get you a job at my place or this place or. Like it's because it's not about money. It's like I I'm so happy here, <laughs> like, and and that's really way more important. You know, you only get one life to live, or maybe you get more than one, but in this life, you know, you only have one chance at it. So, I this is where I ended up. I feel the hockey gods brought me here, and this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm gonna stay, and I'm gonna until until I don't see another option. This is what I'm doing. You know, we. we I even made a skate sharpening machine out of scraps from the scrapyard and bought a disc from Canada and had it mounted onto it and sharpening skates, you know, and, and we're going to open the, the first ever the small uh, hockey store and we're going to open it here. Like it's where I don't care. The people tell me that you can't make money off. it. It's not worth it. That's not the point. It's not the point at all. <laughs> wow, man. Um, in that's incredible man like the, and that's the point right and that's why you're happy and the fact is is like the good all of everything will come together when you're doing the things that you're doing and and these aspirations don't let anybody tell you it's not worth it or it can't be done or whatever and and i could see that you already know and and your heart's telling you the hockey gods i'm a firm believer in the hockey gods and i i i i know that that's what they've you know, they've done for you. Um, I'm going to unmute you here in a sec, but um, Sandra Murray's watching. This Latina is in awe of what you're doing there in Argentina. Keep up the great work. TT16 has a special place in my heart. Thank you, Brady, for remembering him today. That's Terry Trafford. Um, and she also, uh, while we're on the topic of Sandra, says, Brady, I need to work with you on your Spanish LOL. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to work on mine. Uh, I butcher it a lot. I have a, tr I have problems with verbs and it's, there's a lot of verbs. Like I go, you go, we go. They, yo voy, tu vas, nosotros vamos y cuarenta, 40 more verbs for the word go. It's, it's tough. It's a, it's a big language. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll plug way at it together. Um, Susan Cook says, Matthew Minder, you are doing an incredible job, and I'm in for a roadie, which is cool um, as well, all the way from upstairs, Susan Cook. Uh, Francisco Sola says, everybody's welcome. We got beer, ice, and mountains. He also says, bring tape. That is true. He, he's down here. He he plays hockey in uh, in club, uh, in, deep, in, my, in the club. My coach. Be years. <laughs> That's uh, he, yeah. He wants us to bring some tape to a uh, couple more, and then we'll we'll get it up. Matt, you are South America's Mister Hockey. I think we might have lost Matt for a second. Is he there? Let's see what he says here. You there, Matt? Are you there? He can hear me. I can't hear him, but that's okay. He's Mr. Hockey in South America. It'll come back. Give it a second, and we'll kick in here, Matt. It'll You'll be back in no time. I guarantee it. This is part of live streaming. Great point, Matt. Happiness is everything well said. I know you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Um, thank you to, to for all the questions and that once Matt's audio. There we go. You back? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, we got you now. He's back. 
gotta love, gotta love live broadcasting. Um, is there anything that we missed that that you want to that you want to get to before we shut her down? Or um, and by the way, yeah. I'm gonna be bringing you back on the show for sure. And and please keep us updated with whatever else you got going on. And if there's anything that we can do um, to support you, you know, moving forward. I'm all in, and I know there's a lot of people behind you up here as well. And I'm sure that's the same in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks. Thanks for that. And, uh, well, the biggest, the biggest thing is, is, um, I don't want, I don't want people to think that South America is like a charity case. Uh, no. it's, all of South America is a developing country. Uh, they consider it a third world country, but, um, the people just, it's, it's not the lack of funds. It's the lack of equipment, the lack of, uh, accessibility, and that, that's one really important thing I, I really want to stress with everyone. Um, but th- it's not just me down here doing this. Uh, there's the Palma Golden Knights Academy uh, with, with Pablo, Na- Pablo Navarro. I always say his name wrong. Pablo Navarro and Dave Hammond. Um, the Palma Golden Knights Academy. Oh, that's us in Quito. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to find it. Uh, there, well, I don't think you have a photo for that one, but. Okay. Um, they're doing uh, free free hockey clinics all over South America. Pablo is a, a trained professional hockey coach from the United States who's also a professional in Brazil. Dave Hammond is actually from Canada, uh, now living in Africa, coaching in Africa, and also travels to South America to do clinics. There are, there are more people down here uh, doing great things for hockey. I'm not the only guy down here. Um, and the Palma Golden Knights Academy is, is awesome. I think their next trips are to Brazil, Peru, uh, Colombia, and to the north of Argentina as well. And um, uh, th- their, their goal is just to, to non-for-profit to give back to the sport, and uh, they're doing amazing things. But one more, one more thing that most people don't know. There's uh, the Amerigold Latin Latam Cup, Latin American Cup. The Amerigold Latam Cup is in Florida, in the in the in the Florida Panthers Ice Den. Uh, this year it's October 14th to 17th. Uh, that's all of Latin America and and the Caribbean islands. So there's Jamaica, Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, Argentina. Chile, Brazil, Puerto Rico, and a team called the rest of the world. All these teams, most of which don't practice on ice, they practice in roller, all go to Florida to play the, the, the Latin American Cup. And uh, this year it's in October. Uh, it's, it's the fourth year that it worked out last year because of the pandemic. Uh, Jamaica won. Uh, Colombia's won. Um, I really expect, so this is my prediction for this year, Colombia's skill development has gone way through the roof. It's awesome. But Mexico has some really amazing players coming back, and uh, two of them are training in New York right now, and they're, and they're, they're looking like they might be the first Latin Americans to make it somewhere. So I, my prediction is Mexico is going to surprise everyone this year, and Colombia is going to have a hard time with Mexico, but we'll see. And I'm praying that Argentina does pretty well, but – we're, we've been at the bottom of the barrel so far. Well, you keep you keep doing what you're doing down there, Matt. And you know, there 
their skill level and everything is going to elevate. But at the end of the day, it seems like you're having fun. They're having fun. You're growing the game of hockey um, in a place that you never thought you'd be. Um, never mind playing hockey, coaching hockey. And also, you're, uh, it seems like you're scouting hockey as well, too. So, and sharpening skates, all of it. You're doing some amazing work, buddy. Um, I appreciate you, you coming on. And um, I look forward to having you on again. And we'll see you tomorrow morning, uh, prayer group, right? Are you in? Absolutely. Okay, buddy. Absolutely. And uh, if there's anything we missed, just let me know and we'll do it again. And, and maybe one day uh, we can, you know, bring some of your uh, players on and let them and share. I know maybe it'll be hard with the language barrier for some of them, but um, I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be cool, man. And uh, just please keep doing what you're doing. Screw whatever all the haters say. Follow your heart, man. You're doing amazing work. Thanks, Brady. Absolutely. It's amazing to be here. Privilege as always. So thanks, bud. See you, buddy. All the Take way care, from Argentina, Matthew Minder. Thanks, buddy. Keep it up, man. Proud of you. Oh, I cut him off a little early while I was saying thanks. Matthew Minzer, what a guy. Holy, take that in. Take that in. Got some more comments coming in. Hola, amigo Matt. Ecuador. Papa. Lebanese team is playing this year in the L-A-T-A-M. Ivan says, greetings from Ecuador. Bob says, thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, thanks for doing the show, Matt. But honestly, thanks for doing what you're doing down there. Um, I know that there's a, a whole community of hockey players uh, down there that feel the same way we do and that get to interact with you on a daily or weekly basis. And um, you're changing lives down there. And it's... Uh, it's just incredible. Easton Onyx, this is commendable and important work. Your damn rights it is. Your damn rights it is. And like he said, this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg for what he is doing and his partner. And like he mentioned, the other great individuals down there doing similar work. So thank you for your service. And I think a huge lesson here too is follow your heart. Like, you know, sometimes there's a greater purpose at work and it might not be what you want initially or or maybe the most practical uh, job or opportunity, maybe not the most financially stable opportunity. But I'll tell you, there's something to be said. There's something to be said about having that meaning and purpose. It To me, it trumps everything, everything. That's why you see rich people that are no happier than... I was when I was homeless on the streets of Hastings, you know, like if you don't have that meaning and purpose and a reason to, to be, you know, um, life could get pretty hard and it doesn't seem like it's that difficult for Matthew Meinzer. I know it's not that hard for me these days because of the stuff that I'm doing and it's just, it's incredible. Matt, keep it up. Thank you for, for joining me once again. And thank you to everybody for watching whether it was Canada, United States, I think we had some people in Europe, and of course, in South America, from Ecuador, Argentina, as a whole, Ushuaia, all of you guys, thank you for tuning in. It's it's pretty incredible, you know? Like, I think of Matt, it's like, Matt's doing this incredible work in hockey, and down there, 
never thought he'd be there. And now he's touching these lives. These people are having an opportunity to play hockey. But now I've had an opportunity to have my show shared in a place that would have never happened either. So think of all the cool things that have come from this. And this is just one small gift for me, but all the gifts that will come to Matt and everything, they'll just continue to come. There's no doubt about it. So um, check out uh, Tipo 9 Hockey. Uh, I'll leave it in the link below. Follow him on Facebook um, for all the updates on, on what he's doing, got going on there. And uh, I'll, you know, remind everybody we do have, you know, we, we don't talk about it too much. I don't really promote it too much. We have kind of a core group, but it's open to everybody. Um, Thursday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern prayer group. Uh, I know that can be scary for some people. This is not um, in your face uh, talking about the Bible or anything, maybe a couple verses or a verse, but it's mostly just about praying. And, you know, the way that I look at it is this, it's like, if you don't choose to follow the Bible or one religion, say the power of prayer, you put something into the universe. Okay. You ask the universe for something. People ask in the universe for something for you, you know, people coming together for good. I'll tell you, pretty powerful so don't knock it till you try it and also if you want to join i mean you don't even have to speak you want to turn your video off and type away in the comments and say nothing or you just want to be there uh, come check it out i'm going to post the link uh tonight on the puck sport page tomorrow morning on the puck sport page uh check it out if if you're having a hard time it might be a place for you to come join i know there's i'm not going to out anybody other than matt because we talked about it who's there but um i really enjoy it and I got news today that our good friend Nathan Weeb will be back tomorrow. Thank the Lord because I had to lead it last week. And like everything I do these days, I'm a bit of a hack. But try your best. That's all you can ask for. Um, I am going to leave you guys with two sponsors. I should have got to them earlier, but we'll end the show. Make sure you check out Team Issued. Uh, support Pride Tape. They're doing some amazing things. And also First Star Therapy, James Gardner, Matthew Arnane, guests of the show doing some amazing work. And they're really going to help me with my rollerblade. Once again, thank you to Joe Baker, Colin Strong from B-Sharp, Ottawa. Getting teary-eyed thinking about it because it's like, pff, as if all this is happening and all this stuff that's coming to my life and people wanting to help me. Like, that was never an option. Nobody wanted to help me. People were done with me, you know? But it's amazing when you turn your life around what happens. So, Joe Baker, Colin Strong, David Carlson, Paul, Per Mars, everybody at Mars Blade. Thank you guys for, you know, being... I anticipate and really hope that a lot of other people and companies and stuff will get on board. And it seems like we'll head in that direction. But don't ever forget that it's never going to be lost on me. The fact that you guys jumped in instantaneously and to me that means so much so thank you thank you thank you david carlson without you none of it would have happened and you've been my longest running supporter other than maybe my dad so thank you david um Check out Puck Support, PuckSupport.com. Follow us on social media at Puck Support. You want to follow the podcast at Hockey to Hell Podcast. Follow me if you want at Mental Health Hockey on Instagram for any updates on my rollerblade journey, my training, all of that stuff. If you don't want to follow me, please just follow Puck Support. That's all I really care about. Um, if you want to buy some of the Puck Support swag, there's a promo code, never forget, going to get you 10% off. 
Thank you to everybody who's ordered. We're working on a video, so keep those great pictures coming um, in the swag. I hope, hopefully, we're going to have Matthew Meinzer and some stuff here in the near future as well. Uh, that would be pretty cool to see Puck Support down there in Ushuaia, wouldn't it? Um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, yeah, so we got the video coming. Filming a, a promo video either next week, next weekend, possibly this weekend. Shout out to Alex Buckman up there in North Bay, the Buckman family. Alex and his friend are coming down to do the video with the drone and all that cool stuff. They got all the equipment. So thank you guys. Looking forward to doing that. Last thing I'll say, anybody in Muskoka, anybody in Ontario, actually anybody anywhere, if you want to make a trip, you know, message me. You want to come hang out for a day? You want to go rollerblade? You want to play some street hockey, chuck some sauce? Whatever it looks like, I'm completely open to it, and I look forward to it. I uh, got some people that want to come up already. Well, that's it, guys. I, I truly appreciate you being here. If you're listening on audio, please rate and review. Stay kind to everybody. Have a grateful heart. It goes a long ways. If you're having troubles being grateful, start to write down the stuff that you're grateful for. Just do it. The gratitude list. Try it out. Not kidding. Remember, have a great day. If you so choose. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrameFit on Instagram. I'm okay love, I want the real stuff Everybody listen up, cause I'll only say it once I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back yeah, Cause I ain't never done I'll be number